0: It is day six of the war in Israel and we have yet to see or hear really any type of outrage and support from the different sporting leagues like we have seen in the past for different things. What are they waiting for? We're going to get into that and so much more Outkick the Morning starts right now. Good people. Good morning to each and every one of you. Time for Outkick the Morning with me, Charlie Arnold. Okay, so one thing I love about sports, and one of the reasons I actually got into sports casting in the first place, is that sports can act as a distraction, an escape, if you will, when times are the toughest. In my lifetime, we have seen that during 9 11, and then again during the pandemic. When the whole world seems like it's falling apart, it is sports that brings us together. Now, on the flip side, we have also seen how sports can be divisive once politics are inserted. We saw this with Colin Kaepernick. We also saw this with the pandemic, specifically the rise of social justice in BLM. And more recently, with more and more trans athletes competing against women in the pride ideology being forcefully inserted into several leagues in several different manners. So as politics continue to pollute sports, leagues have to make decisions. Do they get involved or don't they? Remaining silent can be just as strong of a statement as a league initiative. So far, outside of prepared statements crafted by the different leagues' PR departments to lend their condolences to Israel and condemn the acts of terror that we have seen this week, we have only seen a moment of silence held last night in Philadelphia between the Phillies and the Braves. Other than that, we have not seen the overwhelming support that we have seen in the past for BLM or Ukraine, let's say. So... The question is, do we give a little more time for more intense outrage from the leagues for an act of terror that killed the most Jews in a single day since the Holocaust and has taken the lives of so many innocent women and children? Now, here to help me answer that question and get into a few other topics, we have former Jet, Mr. Eric Coleman. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great.
0: Okay, good. Uh, okay, so obviously you heard what I had to say. It's a tough situation. There's a lot of ways to look at it, uh, but I feel like just based on what we've seen in the past from the NFL, where they are standing so purposefully in their fight against social injustices. Uh, we had a war begin this this week in the Middle East. Uh, If you ask me, the NFL needs to take a stand tonight, Thursday Night Football. Uh, It's going to be the Broncos at Kansas City. What do you think is going to happen? We haven't seen anything from them so far except for a prepared statement. What do you expect to happen tonight?
1: Uh, Well, tonight I expect a a moment of solidarity for the crowd, for the players on the field. Probably a moment of silence uh, to reflect and to uh, to mourn those who were lost in this tragic uh, terrorist attack. You know, a, a lot of the teams have come out with statements condemning the violence, giving their support to those who were lost and affected by this uh, terrorist attack. Uh, but you know, overall for the NFL, I think that uh, you know, their job is to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. You know, be a distraction, be a getaway uh, for some of these world issues that happen. We're entertainers; they, they're players out there, so they want to go out there and put a, on a great mm-hmm. performance.
0: So we talk about. Sports being an escape and a distraction. But fact of the matter is, more often than not, they do get involved with politics. So do you think that they should have, from the get-go, issued something further? I mean, the, the statement that they put out didn't feel so emotional. It felt like a little bit forced. Like, okay, PR, you take care of this. Should something more intensive already happened by now? Or do you think that they wanted to wait for the opportunity to have but they did have games on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, so it's you think that something should have already happened by now?
1: Well, I, I think that you give it to this weekend. You know, this weekend they've they've had a couple days to adjust to, to to adapt to what's happened. You know, Sunday morning was a little bit. Uh, it, it was pretty quick, exactly. And I don't think everyone knew the extent of what was going on over in Israel. So I expect this weekend to be a, a lot of outcry, a, a lot of support mm-hmm. for those who who are affected by this.
0: Okay, so we talk about what happens from the league standpoint, but also looking at it just from the players' perspectives, I'm sure this, this draws a lot of emotion yeah. in different players. You know, a lot of them have their heritage or, heritages are different. They have ancestors in all different places. They just feel emotional ties to different countries and, and different movements. And, you know, obviously what happened is hurtful to all of us. None of us can stand by what Hamas did to, to these innocent Israelis. What happens in the locker room? Is there... Are there are there talks, I know like a lot of times politics is one of those off, off-limit subjects, yeah. no matter where you are, but do players get involved in stuff like this, or are, are there discussions about it?
1: Yeah, there, there are a lot of discussions in the locker room about world topics and things that happen. Uh, guys who are affected, you know, the one thing that's great about sports is you get a lot of people from different socio economic backgrounds, different races, uh, and everyone gets together and everyone feels the pain together, and so guys will talk about it. I'm sure each team has personally addressed these issues in their team meetings. Uh, a lot of times the player development directors will set, up, set aside counseling, or if you, know, if you need to talk to someone to get your mind off mm-hmm. of, of what's going on. Uh, so there's a lot of support within the organization. Uh, I remember there was a time with Katrina. We had a couple of players that were affected by it. One of my teammates lost his house. Uh, his family lost their house. We came together, we donated money, tried to help him rebuild his house, and, um, and that was a, a lot of great support. But behind the scenes, you know that there's a lot of support. We're, we're all brothers you know, in this sport, uh, but we understand that once, once we get between the lines, it's time to play, yeah. it's time to focus in on the game and, and entertain the world like we're paid to do.
0: Okay, but if there's someone with a strong political opinion, and I'm not just talking about the circumstances we're under right now, mm-hmm. if there's someone who has something to say, do they, do they feel comfortable sharing that in a locker room?
1: No, a lot, a lot yeah. of times they don't. You know, there, there's so many different opinions and the last thing that you want to be is a distraction in the locker room. And create
0: uh, any type of divisiveness, yeah, you right, don't want to, separation. Yeah,
1: because there's a lot of people that have different beliefs in religion, uh, politics, uh, you know, culture, whatever the case may be. But you know as a team, if you're a player on a team, that you're coming together for one cause and you're you're paid to go out there and win football games. You're not paid to go out there and give your opinion on your politics or or whatever you believe in. So. They try to keep a lot of that stuff internal and into their their small. There's a lot of small pockets Mm -hmm. within a football team.
0: Uh, You were also a union rep for five years with the Falcons and the Lions. Uh, Under that, guys, you know, being in that position, were you given any directives or, hey, here's how we handle things like this or here's how you should approach really sensitive subjects, such as what's going on in Israel.
1: Yeah, we would, we would have um, union talks. We'd have different discussions about uh, sensitive issues that, that could affect the whole league. Uh, we'd have discussions, private discussions with the team, with no coaches, uh, just players, and, and discuss how we're going to move forward as a union because you always want to show yourself as a united front. Uh, but for big issues like this, there's an executive committee that will come together and make those those quick decisions. There's about mm-hmm. six union delegates that are chosen to be on the executive committee that make decisions for everyone, so every player, uh, every team delegate wouldn't be involved in something like what would happen last week.
0: And then, just a little bit of a tangent: How do you even become a union rep? Is that something? Are you voted onto it? Do you volunteer yourself to be yeah. that representative?
1: Yeah, you're nominated by a teammate, and then your your team votes on oh, you being Oh, so delegate. Mr.
0: Popular over here? Okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it was actually a, an honor to be voted as the delegate, but for two teams. Yeah, for two teams, and it was it was. A tough time because when uh, the, first, the first year I was a delegate, um, Gene Upshaw, the executive director, had passed away. So we had to vote on a new union uh, executive director. And so that was tough. It was a lot of political, a lot of uh, politicking going on behind the scenes. And then the next year, we had the NFL lockout. So that was very tough. Things got intense in the locker room. Uh, it was very, it was, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. A lot of pressure.
0: Well, I also know that you once had a teammate throw a chair at you. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> What
1: the hell happened there? there it, going through the union talks, you know, we had the. We had the Poor Eric the,
0: getting a chair thrown at his oh, head.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so we had the, the union guys come from Washington, D.C., come talk to us about what was going on in the lockout. We had one particular player that was speaking <laughs> Sorry, out. I'm just he was imagining. angry. Yeah. Oh, and this is a big guy. He was 6'7, about 300 pounds, and he was very angry with me because I was the delegate. I kind of stuck up for the union after the meeting. He got angry with me, threw a chair at me. I dodged the chair. It was a big office chair. I was like, okay, I could dodge this. And uh, and we got into a fist fight, and it was it wasn't good for him. But uh, okay, so you know, you won. yeah. The next morning, I had a championship belt hanging in my locker room. So, <laughs> no. so you, that, you know the results. Oh
0: my gosh! So you were like literally putting yourself in in the line of fire yeah, in this position. Uh,
1: you know, try to do whatever I can for for my fellow brothers uh, in the in the NFL. So oh I'm, my god, I'm the that's, union guy.
0: that's incredible. You have any other good stories?
1: I have a lot of good stories. I'll Ooh. save those okay. for later. Though. Okay,
0: save those for later uh, because I'm sure we'll have a lot of <laughs> other topics that we're going to want to get into it with you about. Um, okay, so talking about being in the line of fire, uh, Aaron Rodgers does not try to stay out of the the line of controversy. He loves stirring it up. Okay, it actually it's one of the things I like about him the most now. Mm-hmm. I think before I was like, oh, like you know, kind of like a, along the lines of how everyone else feels. Like let's let's keep politics out of it. I absolutely love. The new politically charged Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I really love the fact that he called Travis Kelsey Mr. Pfizer. And in fact, Pfizer has embraced that moniker and is now referring to Kel- Kelsey themselves as Mr. Pfizer. Uh, but now Aaron Rodgers is saying there should be a debate. Uh, he thinks it should be him and presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who also now has decided to run as an independent. And it would be against Travis Kelsey and Dr. Fauci. I mean, Listen, this sounds amazing to me. I can only imagine the jabs. Oh, no pun intended. That, that would be thrown there. Uh, what do you think? You think this would actually happen, and how would it go down?
1: I think it would be amazing if it did happen, and it would be great. Aaron Rodgers said he would love to have it on Travis Kelsey and his brother's podcast. So that would gain more. You know how Travis Kelsey loves the popularity. Uh, it wouldn't go very good for, for Travis and Dr. Fauci. Uh, for one, I don't know. How, you know, for the vaccine Travis Kelsey is, I think he's getting the paycheck. And so that, that's what makes him, uh, you know, fighting strong for that vaccine. And in Aaron Rodgers, he's a cerebral guy. I think he'll stay calm. Doc Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I mean, he's, he's a master when it comes to, to anti-vax, uh, anti-COVID vaccines. Yeah. So I, I think it would go well for Aaron Rodgers and RFK Jr.
0: You know, here's, here's one, one other aspect to look at, it though. If they did like an athletic competition. Uh, obviously, Travis Kelsey would be great. Dr. Mm-hmm. Fauci would be awful. I mean, yeah. I don't even—I don't think he could pull off any type of athletic stunt. Uh, but on the flip side, Aaron Rodgers is a bit injured right now, so yeah. he might not be in, in the greatest shape. Uh, but then Robert F. Kennedy Jr. We saw him banging oh, out those pushups. Swole. So, so this could be a little <laughs> bit more of a an interesting contest, right? Yeah.
1: It'd be like a Kelsey versus Kennedy kind of, kind yeah. of contest. who would
0: win? Who do you think would win in a push-up contest between the two of them?
1: Ooh, I, I, you know what? Just because of the wear and tear of the season and Travis Kelsey plays a physical position, I think RFK might get him on the, on the push-up competition. Okay, so maybe no, this no, is what we race? should be
0: gunning for. Yeah, a
1: race or anything like that, Travis Kelsey would dominate hands down. But push-up contests, RFK would hold his own.
0: Okay, all right. I respect that. Uh, I actually think I would I would go with you on that one. Uh, okay, let's get to our next topic. There is a high school in California. It's a Christian high school. They are refusing to play an opposing team with girls on it because they are saying that it isn't right to treat these women with the same type of, I guess, aggressiveness that they would not normal team that they would be opposing. So now they have forfeited the game. Interesting, right? Because if I'm a girl on the opposite team, I, I'm taking that as a little bit of an insult. Like, oh, you don't want to play me or you don't respect me enough to play me. Although that's not how they're positioning it. Mm -hmm. They're saying it's more out of respect that they're not playing them, but I don't know. Where are you on this debate? You know,
1: I I really do commend uh, this high school for not wanting the the boys to go against the girls, Uh, a team with girls on it, when it comes to the physical contact. Now when you talk about Title IX, yes, that's for girls to have the same amount of sports as as men do, as the boys do, Uh, but and when it comes to physical contact, there's a big separation in, in a boy and a girl. And you know, when I played high school football- Thank you. That, so,
0: thank you, someone <laughs> has finally said it out loud. Yeah, and
1: you know what, it would be hard, it would be hard for me as a player uh, to, to strike a girl. You know, when, when, my whole mantra when playing football was to, to physically dominate your opponent, to hit them and break their will to win. And I cannot see myself being physical with a girl. On the other side of the ball, being able to strike them repeatedly, and, and and I really do commend this high school for for drawing the line on who they will hit.
0: Okay, that's fair. Uh, it's I, I wonder why the opposing team has the girls on it. Uh, I mean, I guess because there's not a, a female football team at their school, and they insist on playing. Yeah. I actually, when I was in middle school, I insisted on uh, on playing on the on the middle school boys football team mm-hmm. because I was like a huge tomboy. Yeah. So they were like, "Okay, Charlie, come come on out to practice." <laughs> So I went to practice. It was awful, and I and I was such a little badass. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was I I I was just as aggressive as the guys. But I quickly learned that this was one place I did not belong, Uh, and so I gracefully bowed out. Uh, But I guess props to the girls for playing on the team if if they find they find the, uh, you know, the will to do so. Okay, on to our last subject. President Trump has roasted the Patriots soon after reports surfaced that Kraft is thinking of firing Belichick. Let's listen to what he had to say.
2: For him to negotiate with President Xi of China is like my high school football team playing the, let's see, what's a good team nowadays? Philadelphia's good. You know, they change a little bit. I used to say New England. I used to say the Patriots. I'd I'd love to be able to say the Patriots, he's a great guy, great coach, but uh, they're having a little hard time. But uh, what's going on with the Patriots, huh? But he is, he's a great, he's a great coach and he'll he'll figure it out somehow. He's going to figure it out, but that was not a good game last night, was it, huh?
0: Okay, so Trump says that Bill is going to figure it out somehow, clearly believing that he's still the right guy for the job, which I think I tend to agree with. The only thing that I would say is the fact that he's not just the head coach but also the GM maybe causes a little bit of friction, right? You have two different jobs to do. You look at both of them from different perspectives. Sometimes they can misalign with each other. Where do you stand on this subject, Eric?
1: You know, uh, Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach uh, in the NFL in NFL history. He's done a great job as an executive and a coach, but I think his time as an executive is starting to, to, to end. Uh, mm. But the tough part yeah. is – what general manager are, are the Patriots going to be able to hire? That's going to be able to tell Bill Belichick oh how to good, do his job. <laughs> I mean, good this luck. guy is a, one of the you know the greatest of all time. And uh, you know, I, I think the main part about the Patriots—they don't have a quarterback—and it shows you how tough it is to find a quarterback. Uh, he does a great job of evaluating talent, but it's a, it's a what have you done for me lately? League Patriots fans—they've been the most spoiled fans over the last 20 years. Yeah. And a couple of years of, of not having success, you see them you know, bitching and moaning. It's a, uh, they're a very entitled group of fans.
0: But you know, I feel like when you're used to having a level of success for such a long time, you know, you get spoiled.
1: But when I grew up, the Patriots I'm, were I awful.
0: Mean, yeah. Well, <laughs> of course, no, but in recent years, you know, I yeah. mean, you, you get used to the Tom Brady era yeah. and then you just look at Boston sports in general. The Celtics have been dominant as of late. I mean, there's just a lot of different teams you look at and, you know, it's it's tough for them. And also Boston people are just kind of, I get. listen, no offense to the people from Boston out there, but it is an entitled group of people just in general, all I would offense, say. All
1: offense for me. I don't like you guys. Wait, oh,
0: okay. Wait, wait, I was just, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all offense. Um, okay, well. We'll see what happens with Bill, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I actually tend to agree with that. I think if he could just focus on coaching, mm-hmm. uh, the team would be much better off. But but it, it doesn't go without saying that you must have a quarterback if you want to see success in this league.
1: Yeah, and they're not hard to find. I mean, they, they are very no, hard to very find. they're very hard to find. <laughs> as I know, as, as a former Jet and as a Jets fan, you know, we've been searching for a quarterback for quite some time. And then when we get one, we get four plays with them. So That,
0: that draft class was, was cursed. Zach Wilson was in it, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. They're not playing well. No, all of them suck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Did I just say that out loud? Um, Eric, thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, Okay, so tossing around the idea of Bill Belichick's retirement got me thinking about who and what else it might be time to retire. So let me start my little list right here. Joe Biden obviously topping the whole thing because he's basically the living dead. He's running a crime syndicate from the White House and has put our country in a horribly vulnerable position with our poorest border, our growing dependence on China, our tanking economy, and the fact that our country is literally bankrupt, with now $6 million conveniently going to Iran for a prisoner swap right before Hamas attacked Israel. Doesn't sound off any alarms or anything, right? Point is, Sleepy Joe needs to hang it up and please... For the love of God, take all of the other dinosaurs in the White House with you, including Dr. Fauci, who, listen to this, when he does retire, will be eligible for the largest pension in the history of the federal government. (laughs) That is so laughable. Uh, Next up. I am going to keep these quick because barely any explanations are needed. The climate change agenda needs to go. It's made up and created by liberals who make our lives miserable, and that's the whole point of it. And here's what I say to all of you elitists, get rid of your private jets before you say another word about any of this. Also needs to retire overpriced delivery fees. Last night, guys, I kid you not, I paid $16, a $16 service charge to order my sushi. Highway robbery right there. Also needing to retire, veganism, because gross. Finally, high heels. After the pandemic, I cannot be bothered to wear them except when absolutely necessary, and to prove that. Let's see how far I can get my leg up. Look at this. We're wearing flats today, folks, and that's what you'll see me in almost every day that I possibly can. Uh, so that's my list of who and what needs to retire. Uh, but I have someone else who's going to join me now who also might have an opinion on people that should retire. So please allow me to introduce my next guest. Her name is Caitlin Puccio. She's a lawyer and also a member of the teaching staff at Columbia. Hello, Caitlin, how's it going this morning? Very well, thank you. Okay, so first and foremost, I hope you just heard my little monologue of who and what I believe should retire. Is there anybody, or I'll even allow you to say anything that you believe at this point needs to go?
2: Uh, Yes, I think we need to retire the whole idea of cancel culture. We need to cancel cancel culture, if you will, um, because it's it's really it's had its day in court and it hasn't really done anyone any good. Got to go.
0: Okay, uh, perfect. Uh, And we're going to actually get into the idea of cancel culture in just a second. Uh, I also want to get your thoughts on the Palestinian Protesters, uh, or actually, not even the protesters, I would say the pro Palestine groups that we've seen on campus uh, since the war in Israel broke out. uh, It's horrific, Uh, the people that are showing the outright support for Hamas. uh, Because if you ask me, I think that they also should be retired at this point. And also, it's interesting because on that same vein, there are CEOs who would have died just a week ago to hire students from some of these campuses, Harvard, NYU, some of the more liberal colleges to come work at their companies upon graduation. And now, because they found out that they are pro-Hamas, they're looking to blacklist them and make sure that they don't hire them upon graduation.
2: Yeah. So this is an interesting issue and interesting in a bad way, because I think what is going on in a lot of instances is that these Uh, you know, I stand with Palestine groups, they're not actually understanding that, you know, they don't necessarily understand the full history and the fact that when they say they stand with Palestine right now, they're actually standing with Hamas. And I think you need to distinguish between the two. And you're kind of seeing a little bit of that. Uh, Some student groups, some people are walking their statements back, they're walking back their support uh, for, quote, Palestine, which is really Hamas in this situation if you want to support Palestine, that's a different argument than what's going on right now in supporting Hamas. Hamas is a totally different entity. Um, And I think it's it's just the fact that people don't really understand the history and that distinction between Palestine and Hamas that they're saying they support Palestine. But really, you know, Hamas is this obviously horrible subpopulation of Palestinians and No one, Mm -hmm. if they knew what they were actually supporting, in my view, they they wouldn't morally be able to support them.
0: Yeah, and I think what you're saying is is so true. I think there is the importance of making the distinction between Palestine and Hamas. But in this particular situation, because we have seen this horrible terrorist attack happening to Israel— Tons of innocent people, women, children, losing their lives as a result, uh, in the most gruesome of ways. It wasn't just uh, you know a rogue, oh, a rogue missile hit these these human beings. I mean, they were they literally charged into a music festival and started torturing, killing, and raping innocent people. So I feel like in this situation. It just doesn't even make sense to come out and say I'm pro-Palestine. This isn't, it, this isn't just a debate over, oh, Palestine versus Israel in the normal terms of their conflict that's been going on for a long time now. This is a war that has incurred, and it just seems like an odd time for students to start really speaking out in the manner that they are.
2: Absolutely. I completely agree with you. It's, it's not the, this is not the argument. It's not the time to, to get into the Israel-Palestine argument. This is Hamas-Israel which is a different situation. Um, It's obviously horrible what is happening. It's obviously Hamas and not Palestine. Um, So to come out at this point and start, you know, talking about your support for Palestine. Okay, sure. You support Palestine. Fine. Now is not the time to say it because it's going to be equated with you supporting Hamas.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. Well, I want to move on with you uh, because Earlier this week we also had a protest of a different kind. It involved Riley Gaines. She was at UPenn to celebrate there's there's a day for this. I'm not sure if you're aware. There's there's now National Real women's day uh, I'm not sure if that's a new development because of you know the different categories of who is now defined as a woman in our, our day and age uh, but that was what was taking place earlier this week so she was on campus obviously she was met with lots of resistance so before we get into it I want to take a look at it
1: you <laughs> <laughs>
0: OK, and, and just to, for clarification, it was Penn State, not UPenn. Uh, but what is it about these students in universities that they are so threatened by someone like Riley Gaines in the message that she's projecting?
2: Yeah, I think this is a really unfortunate situation when we have students who or people in general who start using protests instead of actual discussions to get their point across and protests, not just being peaceful, but, you know, violent and aggressive and all these things that you never want to see in a protest. It just shows that we have slid back as a society. We no longer can have civil discourse. We no longer know how to put together a a cogent argument. And I think that's actually part of the threat of Riley Gaines is that she has an argument that she has her conclusion. Um, And her argument is supported by something, and that something is science. Um, And these people who are rejecting her argument are either rejecting the science, which no one has really come out and and proved why the science is wrong or, or even called it into question in a convincing way, Or they're just arguing because it's inconvenient to their own side and they don't really have an argument to put forth against what she's saying. Uh, So I think that's sort of the real fear is that when they don't have an argument, when they're not armed with logic and reason, they turn to these sort of aggressive protests and and cursing at people and and sort of doing all these things that don't actually advance their cause or their argument. We're, and that's mm-hmm. why we're still talking about it. It's, this has been going on for so long now, but we're in a stalemate because one side is presenting an argument and the other side is just saying, no, no, no. Well, tell us
0: why no. Yeah. And I think you make such a good point because they don't have logic and reasoning to combat Riley's argument. So you constantly are seeing Riley met with violence. And not only violence, but there there's protesters that I saw video of last week from this same uh, event that were solely screaming, Riley can't swim, which I'm not even sure how that's a, a point you throw out here because Riley clearly can swim. She was a, a champion collegiate swimmer. So how in the world is that even part of your argument? It just makes you sound stupid.
2: Yeah. It, and that's, that's not even, you know, that's their argument because they have nothing else to say and if they want to argue that point you know and and say well no we do have something else to say well then you have to say it you know people are, are <laughs> sort of waiting for for you to say what you actually think instead of riley can't swim regardless of whether or not she can swim which she can uh that doesn't advance your argument so someone needs to basically uh tell these people, uh, you know, someone friendly to them, because otherwise it's just gonna be a a big clash again. Someone friendly to their cause needs to say, all right, we need to get together and really get our facts straight and present a good argument. Um, Because in some instances, I think all they really want is to be heard or to be recognized in some way, but this is not the way to do it because the way they're being heard is by being petulant and the way they're being recognized is not necessarily how the entire trans community wants to be recognized because it, it might be that we're hearing from a minority of the minority who's a very loud minority, but they're not necessarily representative of what the entire community thinks. We want to hear from them, but they need to come with something to say.
0: Yeah, I, I totally can appreciate that. And uh, cancel culture obviously is is alive and well. They're attempting to cancel Riley in this particular instance. But also, I think you'll, you'll especially uh, appreciate this one because there's a professor who was canceled in the UK for his no-nonsense views. Uh, he was one that would rely on logic and science to make his own. Obviously, that was met with a lot of resistance. But now, this same professor is launching the UK's first ever anti-woke university course, is this a trend, Caitlin, that we should expect to see more of throughout the world? As a lot of people are inappropriately being canceled on a more regular basis.
2: Yes, I would say it's probably going to be something that's going to crop up in more places uh, in the future. But the funny thing about this is that this anti-woke university and and these courses that are being uh, uh, put together and and the mission of the 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 school that actually used to be what school was. It was just a, it was just school. It wasn't anti-woke school. It was school, it was education. It was, you know, (laughs) getting people together from different backgrounds to have a discussion. Remember when seminar classes were about discussing with people instead of just being in an echo chamber. So this, you know, we're labeling it anti-woke, which I get because it is in reaction to sort of the woke movement, but really it's just education. Um, And, you know, I think people will appreciate it, especially the people who feel that they do not have the space to have a voice, because if they are, for example, in a conservative minority in a very liberal university, they might not feel that they can speak freely uh, because their viewpoints will, even if they're not necessarily supported, your viewpoint doesn't always need to be supported by your peers, but at least not run the risk of, you know, being totally ostracized in your community. That's not what education is about. We really need to get back to, we need to be able to have a discussion with people who have different viewpoints. Oh my gosh, blasphemy. And give everyone <laughs> the space to have their viewpoint because then what comes of it? Oh, you know, I didn't think of that. That's a really good point. Or, oh yes, and this too. And maybe we can, you know, see things from both sides or from all sides, and in you know the case of let's say transgender women in sports, come to an actual conclusion that appeases everyone instead of just hammering the same points over and over because all you're doing in your day-to-day life is just talking to people who agree with you and yelling
0: at the other side. Okay, so my favorite thing of what you just said is it doesn't even, even need to be called an anti-woke school. It's just school because that's what it used to be and you're so right And i feel like people have just lost so much sight of this and the fact that now we can't even have educated and logical discussions because someone's always going to get super sensitive or butt hurt and then therefore the other side isn't allowed to say what they want to say and it's it's so right when i was growing up none of this took place we had conversations And sometimes people would get upset, but then you would walk away from it, being like, okay, that was a little bit enlightening. I heard your opinion. I got my opinion out. Amazing. Uh, I I really wish more people would adopt that mindset and we could get back to the way things used to be. Unfortunately, I see, like you said, you see more of this trend happening in the world. Uh, But we will just see how it all happens. Caitlin, thank you so much for your time uh, and your insight. You're so interesting, and I really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me.
3: Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. What's up everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well.
0: Okay, everyone, before I let you go, I have one last story to leave you with. Now that the NHL is back in play as of this week, they have decided to not only stop using pride tape on their sticks, but to outright ban it. Naturally, there was already some pushback on this new directive, including coming from ESPN, but you know what? This just isn't about pride. There is an updated guidance from the league that specifies that on-ice player uniforms and also gear for games, warm-ups, and team practices can't be altered in any way to reflect theme nights. This also includes military-themed purposes or the regular hockey fights cancer night. It is an across-the-board mandate. Honestly, My gut tells me that they lumped all of this on ICE initiatives into the ban as to not purely offend the LGBTQ community because we know that is the one group that always gets offended about everything. So this is a way to say, no, it's not about you. But in all reality, I think it is about them. But any way you slice it, I think a ban is a smart idea. It takes the pressure off of players to make a decision whether or not they should support a minority group's sex life while playing their sport, because we know what happens when a player says they don't wanna participate in something like this. They are called a bigot, and they shouldn't be put in that position. Good for the NFL for making this move. I think it's very smart. Other leagues should follow. Okay, guys, that's all we've got. Thank you so much for being here for Outkick the Morning. Hit the subscribe button. That's where you'll catch all of the action without missing a moment. Also, follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. That's where you can find me across all platforms. Also, leave a like, leave a comment, do your thing, and we will see you for tomorrow, the last day of the week. We are almost there. Everybody, happy Thursday. We'll see you then.
3: Looking for the hottest sports book offers at OutKick? Find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash bet.